I speak about the topic of sustainable user adoption of uh, web applications a lot at conferences where I speak. And of course, the reason being that it's such an important topic that has to be discussed, has to be talked about. If we don't get sustainable user adoption, digital adoption of our applications, and specifically I talk about web applications because most applications these are, are these days are web applications. If we don't get that, then what's the point of doing what we do? You know, putting all this good stuff out there for them. It could be an amazing looking application, but if no one's using it, there's no point, right? Now, sustained effort and deliberate activities are required to attain this goal. So what I'm gonna be talking about does require work, but having said that, if you do put in the right work, the results will be amazing. And I've seen it for many organizations that we have worked with around the world, actually. So here we go. Let's first understand the challenge a bit more deeply, especially from your users, from your employees, your knowledge workers' perspective. Okay? Change fatigue is real for all of us. So what your users are going through is they're seeing change all around them. And that's in life, at work, in applications, and so forth. And they're told to just make it work. But with so much change, change fatigue happens. And people never get really comfortable with an application before a change happens. Or the application itself completely gets replaced by another application. So keeping that change fatigue, frustration, hesitation, resistance in mind that people usually feel. Let's talk about the five steps, the five things we can do. These are proven things that have been done around the world that you can do to truly get buy-in from your people, from your employees. This way, you can have them fall in love with what you have to offer by, of course, showing them what's in it for them. Number one, you got to get executive buy-in. You have to have an executive sponsor. Without proper executive sponsorship and backup that you'll need, you might as well forget about your initiative. There's no point. It's not going to succeed, at least not long-term. User adoption, or sometimes referred to as digital adoption, it becomes an uphill battle every step of the way without an advocate at the executive level that's in your corner. Now, defining exec executive, by the way, uh, just let me talk about that for a second. In a small company, that's usually the C-level executive, or at least right someone right underneath that, a VP or something. In a larger company, you can even get away with having a director or preferably a VP, but even a director or something like that in your corner. That executive uh, can drive your initiative forward. We have to remember that Users, knowledge workers, basically emulate the actions of their leaders in the organization. So when you have an executive with using the best practices uh, that you know you have agreed upon with them, people automatically follow the leader. They will have influence. They can provide the backup you need, the funding, and 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 a whole lot more. Right. So you need that executive sponsorship. Super important. Very necessary to have that authority, to have the influence, the project sponsor. So that's number one. 
Number two is to keep it simple. Start with one major pain point to solve. Don't try to solve all the problems at once. It just doesn't work. So when you are, let's say, rolling out a uh, new system, users, of course, don't understand what's in it for them. That's just what's going to happen to begin with. Most of the time, they will not understand. Why do I care? Why does this new flashy functionality matter to me? Now, studies have shown that if you put too much functionality in your system, the actual usage actually goes down because confusion leads to inaction. You want the interfaces and process to be laid out in a most conducive manner for the users of the system. You Remember, you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. So let's make sure the first impression is a good one. And the best way to approach building out an environment is to think about the major pain points that you hear about from users already. For example, uh, let's take what are the major pain points for salespeople. They say, too much administrative work, lack of standard processes, I'm not getting sufficient training or support in my flow of work that I need. So how can you take some of these pain points for from your sales community in this case, which usually is the lifeblood of most organizations, how can you take those and solve for them? Can you make it simple enough for your sales personnel to get their answers they need without stepping away from the interface so they get the information at their moment of need within the flow of work and in context of their environment? Yeah? Can you ensure they get their answers within two clicks and 10 seconds. This formula, two clicks and 10 seconds, was made uh, famous by a person named Dr. Conrad Gottfriedson, who basically says, you know, when you do that, you make it easy and simple for the user to get their answer. They get this amazing feeling inside their brain and their amygdala specifically saying, you know, this was not that hard. I can, I can do this automatically they will tell others about their experience and they will become evangelists for your initiative. Let's talk about number three. What's the third thing? So we talked about executive buy-in as the first thing, keeping it simple, second thing. The third thing is about incentivizing desired behaviors of this champions and evangelists community that I just touched upon. These are people who champion initiatives and spread the word about things that they love and they care about and they're getting value out of. And we all need these champions. Sometimes these champions are called evangelists, MVPs, ninjas, or just simply champions or, or whatever you want to call it. You want them on your side, not only to help spread the word about our company initiatives, but also to provide us intelligence of what's going on on the ground in each department, in each region, in each place. Now, the great thing about these champions, you don't really need to create these champions. You just need to discover these power users in each department and give them the title of champion to get them on your side. They're always influencers, always like these that exist in each department that everybody in the department runs to when they have a question that they cannot, you know, that they cannot answer. These are the, the super users so to say, in each department. These are your champions. Discover them. These are folks who are already 
helping their coworkers because they want to. They're revered by their coworkers. They have their respect. They have the influence. You want these influencers on your side. Your job will become a lot easier if you can make that happen. And the good thing is that incentivizing these champions and evangelists doesn't really require many monetary awards. Instead, you offer them increased visibility to, let's say, senior management, influence on the technology or the business roadmap that you're working on, having them gravitate towards you and assist you in spreading this gospel that you are trying to spread in other departments. The champion communities have been working around the world successfully, and I'm sure you can make that happen as well. So that's your number three. Now let's talk about the fourth thing. The fourth point or the fourth step is facilitating peer-to-peer learning. Social learning is the key in the world we live in today. The ways of traditionally training knowledge workers is declining. You just can't put people in a class, let's say over a two-day period or whatever, teach them a bunch of stuff and expect that they will remember those things when the time comes for them to put that knowledge to use. Not going to happen. Binge learning just does not work, especially for knowledge workers who don't necessarily care about technology. They care about getting their job done in the most efficient manner. Instead, you want to facilitate opportunities for peer-to-peer learning. I'm going to give you an example. I'm sure you have uh, been a part of or have conducted lunch and learn events, right? We all have to eat. Why not schedule time on a regular basis to eat together and learn from each other? When executed properly, these lunch and learn have proven to be super beneficial, increasing morale within the team, having colleagues uh, you know, share discoveries with each other. Mind you, remember, this is not a training session. This is a sharing session, a learning session. You are the facilitator for this type of lunch and learn. So encourage a quote-unquote champion from your community to share something that he or she has learned that helps them in their job. So not technology for the sake of technology, but something that's really truly helpful for them. Um Example, let's say a specific workflow in the CRM system or something that was taking 10 minutes, hour, and now it's a minute or 30 seconds. Something completing a specific task that everybody has to do. It's a fraction of the time because this person figured something out and now they're willing to share with others. You want to facilitate and encourage sessions like these on a regular basis and you see the magic happen. And of course, don't forget the pizza. And the last fifth thing, probably the most important one, is focusing on context and not just only content. Let me explain. A couple of decades ago, the challenge we had as knowledge workers was access to content. It was not easy to just Google something because Google didn't exist. And the type of searches were not as powerful on the internet or other places. They just did not exist. These days, access to content is not a problem. Every one of us carries a super powerful computer in our pocket. We can ask Siri or Google or ChatGPT any of the answers we're looking for. Easy. The challenge is now shifted to providing the right context. The most appropriate answer, not just any answer, but the most appropriate answer at the moment of need, 
that helps the knowledge worker perform their task. So how do we get the right information to the right users at the right time? That's the question. This is where contextual delivery of information comes into play. Contextual delivery of information, same thing as context-sensitive delivery of information. So imagine delivering guidelines, policies, how-to information for certain tasks and any other information that our users need at their moment of need in context of their environment and within the flow of their work. Right? I mentioned before the formula being within two clicks and 10 seconds. How do we get the information to them within that magic formula? So this comes back full circle now. We're talking about that again. This formula has helped hundreds of organizations around the world support their users effectively in many different systems. And the word here that comes to mind is it gets it sticky for them. The usage increases, stickiness increases, because people are feeling like, hey, this was not too hard to get my answer. Now, to try to draw a picture in your mind, let me give you an example. I, as a user, am coming to an interface. This is the first time I'm coming to that interface since that has changed. Maybe new functionality has been added, or maybe I'm a new user altogether coming into the department. A walkthrough starts up welcoming me and then showing me saying, okay, look here. This is where the navigation is. Now look over here. This is where the top uh, menu is. Now on the right, this is where the information about your profile, your information is. Giving them all of the different specific things on the interface that they need to know about, showing them that. So that's that's called a walkthrough. Or having, uh, another example is having an inline help icon blinking on the page, drawing your attention as a user, telling you this is something new. You take a look at that. You look at it, hover over it, or click on it. A video appears, or an image appears, or something showing you exactly what you need to know about that particular section. Or a third example here, another what I call contextual experience, an announcement banner comes up. And it comes up letting me know, uh, let's say if I'm in a CRM or something, that my leads are going to expire soon and I need to take action. Banner is not intrusive. It's there. I take action as I need it and I move on with my workflow. So any of these kind of things is where the magic of two clicks and 10 seconds happen. You are getting the information in front of the right user at the right time at the moment of need. Okay, And that's super important, focusing on context and not just content. So there you have it, the five steps driving sustainable user adoption, digital adoption. There's no one magic bullet that's going to give you the results you're looking for. It just doesn't exist. But these five bullets, these five points have truly transformed many organizations around the world that I've seen in front of me. The results have been proven if you execute it properly. Good luck to you. Reach out to me also if I can help.